But let's look over at Matthew 6, verse 32. Matthew 6, verse 32. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. Got it? Just a little bit further down. There we go. It says, For after all these things the Gentiles seek, for your heavenly Father knows that you need all these things, but seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, and all these things shall be added to you. Actually, let's go to 1 Samuel 2.30, and then we'll come back to this one. I meant to start on that one, just the next verse there. It says, Therefore the God... Therefore, uh, well, I'll read this part, but I'm just looking at the last part. Therefore the God of Israel says, I said indeed that your houses or that your house and the house of your father would walk before me forever. But now the Lord says, be it far from me. You have to move that. I was only going to read the last part. Can you put it at the last part of the verse, Julia? I'll just read this. It says, those who honor me, I will honor, and those who despise me shall be lightly esteemed. Those who honor me, I will honor, and those who despise me will be lightly esteemed. Those who honor me, God said. Those who honor him. He said he would honor. Amen? He said he would honor. Now go back to Matthew 6, 32. It said, For after all these things the Gentiles seek, for your heavenly Father knows that you need all these things, but seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added to you. Seek first what? The kingdom of God and His righteousness and all these things will be added to you. We've been uh, on a series uh, called Commissioned, and actually I was going to get to some of these things uh, in that series, but it was just, there's, you know, too much, and I felt like I wasn't going to be able to cover it. Uh, I wanted to do it, you know, in that context, so we're kind of segueing today, uh, picking up there and moving on into some of these things. Go back and let's look... Um, at Matthew 28, 19, so we can kind of pick up where we were and then go forward. Jesus gave the Great Commission, and he said, Go into all the world and preach the gospel. Here it says, Matthew 28, um, 18, it says, And Jesus came and spoke to them, saying, All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. He said, Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations. In Mark 16, verse 15, he said to them, Go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. Go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. He who believes and is baptized will be saved. He who does not believe will be condemned. In Luke 24, 46, it says, Then he said to them, Thus it is written, and thus it was necessary for the Christ to suffer and to rise from the dead the third day, and that repentance and remission of sins should be preached in his name to all nations, beginning at Jerusalem. So he said, Repentance and remissions of sins should be preached in his name to all nations. And then look at 2 Corinthians 5, 18. We covered these verses, and we're really segueing into something a different emphasis today, but I want to kind of hook up with where we were. It said, All this is a gift from God who brought us back to Himself through Christ, and God has given us this task of reconciling people to Him. He's given us the task of reconciling people to Him. Verse 19, For God was in Christ, reconciling the world to Himself, no longer counting people's sins against them, and He gave us this wonderful message of reconciliation. So we are Christ's ambassadors. God is making His appeal through us. We speak for Christ when we plead, come back to God. So it is our role, we talked about that in our other series, it is our role as a conduit to uh, give people the gospel, spread the gospel, inform people of what Jesus has done for them. That's what the church is doing on the earth. Amen. 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 We're the church. That's what we're doing. Now, um, let's go back to Rome. Let's go to Romans 12, 3, and we'll read that, and then we'll kind of, we'll go forward. 
Romans 12, 3, it says, For I say through the grace given to me to everyone who is among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think soberly as, each, as God has dealt to each one a measure of faith. For as we have many members in one body, but all the members do not have the same function, so we being many are one body in Christ and individually members of one another. Verse 6, Having then gifts uh, uh, differing according to the grace... That is given to us, let us use them. If prophecy, let us prophesy in proportion to our faith. Or ministry, let us use them in our ministering. He who teaches in teaching and he who exhorts in exhortation. He who gives with liberality. He who leads with diligence. And he who shows mercy with cheerfulness. And talking about the different parts, different emphasis, different gifts that God has given in the body of Christ. And so we all have those. We're all part of the body of Christ. We each have a different function, and we talked about that extensively. Now, we all have a part in a local body. We have, we're part of the body universal, the, the body of Christ, but then we have, we're hooked up with a local church, with a local pastor, to, to impact a local city, local region for the gospel to do God's work on the earth. And so one part of that is supporting financially that work on the earth, that work in the local body. And, um, you know, when I was, this was going to be part of, I was going to get to this as part of the commission series, but then there was just, I felt really, no, there's too much here that we need to spend a little bit of time uh, on this part. But I wanted to give that context because that is why we are doing what we're doing is for the Great Commission. And this is another aspect of that. Now, we've covered we all have our roles in the body of Christ. This role uh, is universal. And in these times that we're living in. I mean, there's, there's a lot of uncertainty. Have you noticed that? Yeah. I mean, people talk about inflation. And, I mean, there is inflation. It's real. Just go, and, go to the store, how much things cost versus how much they cost a year or two ago. You know, cars, used cars are so, uh, so much higher than they were. Uh, you know, because there's, there's a lot of different reasons. There's shortages in different ways. But we need to know in this realm, this is not a side issue, okay? When we're talking about material things and on the earth, you know, we're here as the body of Christ in the earth. It is not, I mean, I don't know about for you, but, uh, and I know it's not because you're here, but it's not a side issue. You know, what we're doing for God is not a side issue. It is the main thing. And that's in every area. Well, uh, when we talk about the material realm, when we look around, uh, there's, people are very fearful. People are uncertain. Uh, it is crazy you know, we, where, where things are right now. I mean, last year, uh, with the shutdown, um, there was so much disruption, of course, in the economy, in people's lives. Um, you know, they're working at home where they were working in the office, and then maybe their jobs changed or they couldn't go to work, and businesses suffered, and um, just the exchange of goods and information was disrupted. And so the, the, the economics of the world changed like it hasn't. Is that right? We live in a different world. It, it had impacted certain uh, sectors and will, will not be the same. They're different now. And we need to know, as Christians, our place, what we're doing for God, for the body of Christ, and in this area as well. This is, this is very important in people's lives, is it not? I mean, financial, financial things and material things affect our being. And we need to know, as we are serving the Lord Jesus Christ and doing His work, how do we function on this earth? Do we just function like the world? 
You know, just do everything like them, and, well, we hope things go well, but we just basically look and act just like them? Or are we on a mission here, and so everything should align with that mission? Every part of our life should align with that mission, and this is a part of it. And sometimes very, you know, I'm talking about finances. And, and when the church brings up financial things in this, in this day and age, um, there's so much, there's misunderstanding and confusion in the body of Christ and in the world. People, uh, they don't, they, they'll look at that, th- that negative, negatively. Like, oh, it's about the finances. And, you know, there has been things that have gone on in the body of Christ and people that misrepresented and mishandled. And so there is this kind of standoffish thing about, well, um, we, we shouldn't talk about that or whatever. That's nonsense. nonsense. Jesus talked about it. It's all through the Bible, and it affects every one of our lives, does it not? If you just wanted to say, oh, well, money doesn't matter to me, well, okay, well, I'd like to have a conversation with you. Is that because... You just, it, there's just so much of it that it doesn't matter. That would be a misunderstanding no matter what. Because if, if, if we believe that we are children of Almighty God on the earth, and the only reason we're still here is because Jesus has given us a job to do, then everything would flow from that of our decisions on the earth, if we truly believed it, it'd be like, okay, this life is uh, supposed to be centered around what Jesus said, and I, all everything I do is supposed to be centered around Him. That would include everything in the financial realm. Now, th- this cuts so many ways. This is not a side thing. I mean, every one of us we ought to, if we have a kingdom perspective, then our finances are an outflow of that. It's not a side issue. It represents your life. It represents my life, does it not? You put into something and then you, you are, if you own a business, you're, you're not, you may just love it and you're just doing it because you would anyway, but when you run a business, the goal business-wise is to have a profit right? You're running the business in order to get a profit. If you're working at a job, your, your goal is to do the best possible job you can do. Well, part of that is so that you can uh, do well financially so you can take care of yourself. I mean, that's just the way the world looks at it. But as a Christian, there's more to it. There is a mission. You know, I saw something. Let's see if I can find this picture. It was actually in a see. just wanted to read this right. But uh, it said this, the church is a battleship where it's all hands on deck and everyone serves the mission. Now I saw it in context of some other stuff, which I think, you know, could go different ways. But the church, if you think about it like that, the body of Christ, it's it's not just a boat floating through the sea doing whatever. And then any, there might be people on it that are just hanging out. You know, maybe somebody's just fishing for the sake of fishing. It, it's not that way. It is actually all functional. That everybody has a role. Well, that would include in every area. That we are doing something for the body of Christ, for for the Lord Jesus within the body of Christ. And we want to be secure and know where our place in this area as much as any area because this area will push on you. I mean, like I said, the the way the world is right now, it it will affect, people are making decisions based on, uh, that affect their life based on um, the, the, the economy, based on financial concerns. Uh, people will move to, to different places be, to follow a, a job for maybe 
financial reasons or maybe because they want the job. That ought to be secondary to what does God want me to do. Every part, even in the, um, the financial realm, should be subject to what He said. If we make decisions based on money, we will make the wrong decision a lot of the time. And, to, and, and it is not a separate thing, okay? It is not, well, there's all the spiritual stuff, and then there's financial things over here. And so, of course, you just operate a certain way in financial Like You always look for the best deal. You just try to get the cheapest thing. Or, of course, if you, you know... Um, you would always work with a certain uh, client or partnership that brought you the most money. If you just cut out the spiritual part and just start operating based on money, you are susceptible to the world system. And you're not, we're not led anymore. We're not walking with God anymore as far as in this area. It's like we've compartmentalized our life. And then it, when we're walking through in the financial area, we'll say, well, you know, I'm trying to be led here, but, you know, of course, I just automatically make decisions based just on, you know, some natural understanding of financial things and separate it from the kingdom of God when, in fact, they are completely tied together because our lives are represented by what we do with our money and so then what we do with our money is going to affect our lives. And we want to be in the place where, as we're serving God, we are on solid ground knowing why we're doing what we're doing and being strong in, I am serving God in this realm, so I am going to have what I need and be able to uh, navigate freely in His will for my life. I'm not going to be subject to be making decisions just based on money because that means you're a slave to that. And Jesus said in a, different, in a different place, we're not going to turn to it, Matthew, he said you cannot serve two masters. You can't serve money and God at the same time. So one part we all have is being in a godly manner is using our finances the way the Bible would tell us to use them. There is a, I'm going to read you something that Gordon Lindsay said. Gordon Lindsay uh, was the head of Christ for the Nations, and this is back in 1961. He said, the main hindrance to world evangelism has not been, you know, talking about the Great Commission, talking about doing the work of God, he said, the main hindrance to world evangelism has not been for the want of devoted missionaries, nor is it the lack of trained nationals, which, has a serious, which was a serious problem for many years. The hour has come when we have an eager army of gospel soldiers ready to launch out in faith and to preach the, apost the, apostolic, the apostolic gospel, and they are doing it. Nor is there a lack of people responding to the message. Any missionary will tell you that almost every place an evangelistic effort is attempted. Hundreds and, and in many cases even thousands will respond. Where then is the lack? It is the lack of necessary financial assistance that often is not available at the moment the Spirit of God moves in a community. So our part is important in this area. And so we read in uh, Matthew, let's go back to Matthew 6, verse 32. We want to understand how we're to operate in God's kingdom concerning these areas. In other words, if Jesus were walking with us, what would He be advising us to do? Because, again, it's almost like sometimes there is People think there's spiritual things, and then there's just these natural things concerning money. Spiritual things, you go to the Word of God, but those things, you go to some secular uh, resource. You turn on a news channel that's going to tell you where you should be investing your money. And the people that 
many times are operating or, or giving those, that, that advice don't even serve God and don't know, of course, nobody could have foreseen, just naturally speaking, what was happening last year, but sometimes we'll put emphasis on those things as if they know more in these areas when they don't even serve the mission of the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, you could, not that you couldn't glean certain things, but we make a mistake if we follow, if we, if we compartmentalize things in our mind and think there is a way to handle things financially separate from what God has said in His Word, that would like say that God didn't cover it as if God just doesn't talk about that. That's just not spiritual. God talks about it throughout the Word of God, the Bible. And so we can know what to do, and we can be confident in what to do. And we can be confident that as we're walking out God's plan for us, that we will have what we need. But the first principle is come to Him and put it before Him and go forward in that way. We're going to Him first, not as an afterthought, but going to Him and saying, in this area too, Lord, what would you have me to do? And then it follows, His principles follow that then we will have what we need. Matthew 6, 32. Matthew 6.32 says, After all these things the Gentiles seek. He was talking about what you eat, what you uh, wear, all these things. After all these things the Gentiles seek. For your heavenly Father knows that you need all these things. So he's talking about natural things, things that we need on the earth to survive and to navigate this world. And it says, he said, for all these things, the Gentiles or the people without God, the non-Jewish people at that point, he's just saying the people that, that don't seek God, they seek these things. For your heavenly Father knows that you need all these things. Doesn't he know that? Does he know we need natural things? Do we believe that? Or you think that, well, you know, I mean, that's just, that's, that's something we, no, that's off to the side. No, that, Jesus said that the Father knows what we need. Verse 33, but seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, or His way of doing things, and all these things shall be added to you. Seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. So God's way is you go after the things of God first, and the stuff, the things that we need on the earth, they'll be added to us. It is not we go after the things in the earth, or a certain job, or a certain profession, because I want to do that to make money. Did I lose somebody? See, the bio, is it, people in the world would say, well, of course you'd want to make the most money you could. Is that what we just read? Now, if the first part of it's true, the number one thing is you do what God has called you to do, and then the stuff then it's secondary, it'll follow. But if you go and be led by what, something like, well, this pays more, then that's not seeking first the kingdom of God. The first thing is, Lord, what would you have me to do? Amen. And that's it. Because, it, you know, we talk about the Great Commission, and we've spent a lot of time on that. Well, we're going to do what God has us to do. We're going to be in the right place. We're going to be doing that. Well, that's all submitted to Him. And so I don't find my place based on material stuff. 
That's not a no-brainer, in other words. It's not like, well, I seek God, but hey, this pays this much more. I'm going over there. Like, of course, no, that's, that's wrong thinking. And that's in our culture, in our society. People think, well, no, of course. It's not of course. It is, what would the Lord have me to do? And I submit that to Him, go do what He would have me to do. And now, of course, I'm following Him. I expect to be, have, things take, have everything taken care of. But that is not the first principle. Let's look at 1 Samuel 2.30. We looked at this earlier. Those who honor me, I will honor. Those who despise me shall be lightly esteemed. Those who honor me, I will honor. Those who despise me shall be lightly esteemed. We, we think of what God is saying those who honor me, I, I don't think we, I mean, we're, we're growing, but we don't grasp what, is, what he's really saying. When, when we, the more glimpse we get of who God actually is, that he is the creator of the whole universe, when you talk about honoring him, and then he says he will honor you. I think we, we sometimes just separate who it is that we're actually honoring. We think it's, oh, I'm giving to this organization, or I'm, uh, yeah, I mean, I, I just, I'll do kind of what God says, as if he's out there somewhere instead of, he is the Almighty, the creator of everything. And as I come and say, Lord, whatever you would have me to do, and I submit myself to that, then he said, I will honor you after that. Who will honor you? The God of everything will honor you. Because you're taking care of what he said to do. Now, I think, <clears throat> let's read one, another verse. Proverbs 3, verse 9. It says, honor the Lord with your wealth. Here it's okay, there it says, honor the Lord with your... Which version do I have here? I have honor the Lord with your wealth, with the first fruits of crops. Since you have New King James, I'll read that. Honor the Lord with your possessions and with the first fruits of your increase. Go ahead. So your barns will be filled with plenty and your vats will overflow with new wine. The first part of that says, honor the Lord. Honor Him. In the Amplified Classic, it says, honor the Lord with your capital and sufficiency from righteous labors and with the first fruits of all your income. Honor the Lord with your capital and sufficiency and with the first fruits of all your income. What is the first word in that sentence? Honor. It's honor. Honor who? The Lord. the Lord. Honor the Lord of the universe. Honor the Lord of all. And then it says, you know, later, your barns will be filled with overflowing and your vats will brim over with new wine. And I, I believe we have... Sometimes when people talk about these things in general, I think sometimes we've emphasized the part about us receiving more than the honoring of the Almighty. The first premise is honoring Him. Doing what He said. In, that, in this area, in every area. And throughout the world, throughout our culture, throughout even the body of Christ, people are okay talking about, I just lay everything before the Lord. I give my life. But you talk about this, and people are like, whoa, wait a minute. 
And it's, it's wrong thinking. And God said, honor him. Seek first him. And as we are being part of his, his uh, body, of course, but his vehicle for, for uh, spreading the gospel and doing his work on the earth, we want to be in all regards submitted to him. And this is a major area where it identifies where we are. And it's a major area that as we look to him and get in line with what he said, he's able to do th other things in our life. Amen. Amen. And I think in the body of Christ, people have talked about, what am I going to get out of the deal? Now, that's true, and we'll talk about that. But that's secondary. Think about it in any other area, because it's the same truth. Think about um, Jesus calling Peter and calling Andrew and said, Come follow me. Well, what am I going to get out of it? What if he reacted like that? Well, other people did react that way. More or less, he told one person, I, I, I have, uh, I've done all the commandments. What, what, do, what do I need to do now? And he said, well, one thing you lack. He said, sell a bunch of stuff and give it away and then come follow me. And it was just, <clears throat> can't do that. And as we are serving the Lord, I think in the body of Christ, there is, uh, there is a, um, a thought. I mean, I've been around this thing my, my whole life, pretty much. You know, I was born again when I was six, so my parents were born again in the charismatic movement. There is a lot of emphasis, and especially now, in our culture, on what am I going to get out of it in general. I'm talking now, let's just separate the church. Let's look at how uh, children are generally being raised. Let's look at how people def uh, act uh, with, when they look at any endeavor. What am I going to get out of it? What, what is it? What's in it for me? How is it going to affect me? Is that not true in our culture? Are people pretty self-centered or not? And so in the church, it's in the church. Well, you, you um, what, what is serving God going to, how am I going to benefit from it? And in this area, for sure. You know, people have gone to the excess where it's like, well, you give and then trigger, this thing will happen for you. And they're not looking at the word. They're looking at, I mean, it's some kind of just like a magic thing, that, a magic lever that you pull. And that's excess. People have said, well, you know, send in $1,000 and this will happen. That's not in the word. Okay, that's probably a gimmick. You stay away from that type of stuff. But, and there, there are many truths, and we'll cover, and we'll just, we just read one. I mean, we just read three. He said, seek first the kingdom of God and all these things, and his righteousness, all these things will be added to you. He said, honor me, whoever honors me, I will honor. And he said, honor me with, the, the, with your possessions, and everything you have will be full. But that's not the motive for us giving. Shouldn't be. It should be we take God at His word and thank you, Lord Jesus, I trust you, but that shouldn't be the first thing. If that's the first thing, we got something backwards. We got something in the wrong place. You guys okay this morning? Because this is what I have. This is what, this is what we're going on.
Because I know there's a lot of people, they, they don't, they will dance around it in the body of Christ, you know, like, like I said, what's in it for you? What, but they, they don't hit the word. What, what does the word say? We're going to talk about being in the Great Commission and what we're supposed to do. What, where, where are we? So we can stand up in this crazy world, in the economy where it is. You know, some people are, you know, how much inflation is there going to be? Well, it, you know, I'm not going to even touch that. There could be a lot. You know, will this job be available? And this job, if, you, if, you, if we just look at the natural, you can be in the same fearful place that everybody in the world is without God. But we can't go in it and be like, well, I'm going to look to the world on how I'm going to deal with my finances, but then, oh God, please help me out of this. That doesn't make any sense. If we want to be solid, we go, Lord Jesus, you're my Lord. What do you say? Okay, I'm going to do what you said because I want to serve you, and now I have every right to stand on everything you said that I'm going to be taken care of. I don't care what comes in the earth. I don't, I don't care if you have to send birds to feed me, whatever. I will stand, and I'm, that's not my motive. My motive is to come before you and do what you've called me to do in your kingdom, and in this area, to do my part in, in your kingdom and to live unto you in this area. And now, I, all my life is before you. Here's a list of purposes, prioritized purposes for giving. Brother Hagin gave this. Number one, we should give because we love God. That's number one. You notice, like in our offering confession, what's the first thing? I give because I love God. That's number one. Because if you gave because you're going to get, that means you would love something else. What would that be? Money? And that's just the wrong, that's, that's the wrong motive. And in the, there has been, thank God for the ability to believe for uh, us to have anything. We read in the offering, God delights in the prosperity of His servant. He, act, he absolutely does. He does not delight in covetousness, though, which is you wanting more and more of stuff. That, he does not delight in that. And if that's our motive, and that, there has been in the body of Christ where it becomes so money-centered that everything is about that, and you just get more and get more and lose sight of the fact that it's actually about spreading the gospel, and thank God He wants us to prosper. But if you had to, all, you had to give it all away tomorrow, and it was really God, you would do it. Did I lose somebody? Because the world will tell you, you can't do that. You have to do this and that. You have to put money here. And this is what's quote-unquote wise. What could be wiser than doing what God said? And if there's a, if there's a stumbling, it just shows us where it is. And, and there was, you know, in the Bible, people coming and going, the, the, the rich young ruler, I, I'll give anything. Whoa, wait, you just put your finger on the thing. Wait a minute, back away from that. What else? Well, no, there's no use going what else. There's no use going forward. And so, no, we don't want to be in that position where, yes, I love God, love God, but really I'm given to get something. It should be we expect God to do what His Word says, absolutely, but that's not the primary motive. So we should give because we love God. Number two, we should give to God in obedience to His Word because He said... We're following what he said to do. If he said it, that's what I'm going to do. Right? If he said, I mean, it's the same. People say, well, do I, you know, we'll get to this later, but uh, we'll say that people say, well, do I have to give? You don't have to give. God won't force us to do anything. If he won't force us to get saved and he'll let you go to hell, there's pretty much, you can do whatever you want to do. That doesn't mean you will, have, you will have everything that He wants you to have either. We don't have to pray. You don't have to treat your spouse nice. You can be a jerk. You have the license. But there may be, there may be consequences. 
I can act however I want to you. Okay, <laughs> you may be doing it by yourself, you know. I can treat my kids however I want. I can, I can go and I can act any way I want to on the job. <laughs> True, you just may be looking for another job tomorrow. Right? And people get this idea. I mean, we're just going to go wade through this, okay? Because we need the truth. And in the body of Christ, it's like, well, uh, and we'll get to this. I'm getting ahead of myself. But people go, well, what do I have to give? I don't want to be pressured. There's no pressure from God. But if, 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 if somebody, it's the same thing. If, if you were talking about marriage and people were like, well, you know, you're supposed to love your wife. Well, that's pressure. I don't want to hear that pressure. No, that's God's word. And the word says, you know, ladies, you need to respect your husband. Well, don't tell me that. That's pressure. That's pressure maybe because we don't want to do it. But that's not the same as pressure from God or pressure from people. Nobody should ever coerce you to give. Nobody should stand there and be the, you know, spouse police either. They're kind of monitoring your conversation. They hear something that says, hey, you know, you're not supposed to treat your wife like that. What, what would your, I mean, guys, you don't, you don't need to vocalize. What would your response be like that? Um, leave. She's not your wife. And you don't need somebody coming around trying to force you on treat your wife nice or treat, respect your husband. Nobody likes that. Or, hey, you know, we had this a lot throughout the decades. Uh, confession police. You know, you're supposed to say certain things, so then people take it upon themselves to correct you when you don't say the right thing according to what the Word says. That's not their job. That's the Holy Spirit's job. And they don't want to hear what you have to, you know, somebody, if somebody's going around doing that, you don't want to hear what they have to say. It's like, mind your own business. That would be pressure. Because you realize there are places that you can be. Hopefully it's not here. Because we don't we don't, if, if you ever felt pressure to say certain things or whatever, it didn't come from Shelly and I and me, okay? But people get ideas and they, 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 you can be in places where people feel like they have to be fake and say the right thing because otherwise they're not in faith. Look, if it, it's not going to really make a whole lot of difference what you say when you're at church if you're saying all kinds of stuff at home anyway. If 99% of the time you're saying one thing and then you're in front of people and you say a different thing, the thing that's going to go is what you're saying all the time anyway. Which, you know, if somebody's being a confession police, they're just not really, you know, equipped to do the whole job anyway because they don't follow you everywhere, hopefully. So that would be like pressure. I got, oh, I have to say the right thing. Oh, I better, you know, treat my spouse right when I'm at church. If that's the only time. You treat your spouse right. It's not going to go well. Well, I'm putting my arm around her now in church. She may not want your arm around her in church. Right? That's, okay, that's just being fake. And that, that kind of pressure, um, yeah, that's pressure that should not be. Well, people get that idea with giving. You, you talk about what the Word says, well, you know, that's pressure. Or let me say one thing before I go to that too. People have the idea... You know, because there was, there's been extreme teaching on grace. There is a balanced, right down the center, thank God for the grace of God. Thank God that Je if it weren't for Jesus, none of us would be able to come before God. But God doesn't do everything for us. And if you take that to its, t to its extreme, where it's just all the grace of God, then where you ultimately end up is nobody is going to hell. You have to, because it's all up to God. There is no response to God. Did I lose somebody? So in other words, if you think it's everything is up to God, and it's just God does everything, and it's never me, then you will ultimately end up that God is going to just save everybody because He loves everybody so much. He does love everybody so much. He wants everybody to go to heaven, but we have to respond to Him. And so because of that, people will be like, don't talk to me about doing anything in the body of Christ. All the things we've been talking about in the Great Commission and in this series. Don't talk to me about serving because that's bondage. That's under the law. It's not true. If you're preaching the word, Jesus, I mean, we've seen it over and over. God said that you can serve him 
in different capacities. That's not law. That's not pressure. That's the Word. That's our response to Him. So when we talk about these things, people say, oh, well, we're in the New Covenant. It doesn't matter. No, it's all throughout Scripture. Predated the law and everything. When we talk about how to handle our money according to God, it's not pressure from any person. It's just the Word. The Word will... Uh, the word can, your, your own heart, you know, we talk about condemnation, that's your, your heart, the word won't condemn you, but the word will convict you. It will. I mean, if, you, if you're not treating your spouse right and you hear that, uh, you know, walk in love with your spouse or husbands love your wives, that can be like, eh. so what people have the, the thing that I'm going to push that away. Well, if the word is the word, do, do we want the truth and do we want the fruit of the truth or do we just want whatever we, you know, believe? It's just whatever, let's just cherry pick a bunch of stuff and then let's just walk that way. That won't work. I mean, right now, do, you, do we want to walk through this realm in this time and be like, in this area, I, don't, I, I have the, the um, outlook that no matter what happens, if the whole economy crashes, I'm going to be okay because I serve the Almighty. Do we want that security? Amen. Then we need to do what the Word of God says because it doesn't work both ways. We're not going to, if we don't pay any attention to the Word and we just say, oh, that's just, no, we're not under all that. But then there's heavy pressure in the world. And we're like, God, do something. We are the same as I'm not going to call on Jesus, but I want to go to heaven. It's the same thing. And so if we want to be solid and secure, then we need to hit stuff straight on and be like, okay, let's not play games. How am, am I doing what the Word said? And so in our motives for giving, we don't want it to be really something else and play a game because here's the thing, God knows our heart. So we should give an obedience to what God said in His Word. I wanted to read these fast. I wasn't going to go down these. I'll, I'll read these to you, but that's not really, we're not necessarily going to go through all these in real detail. We'll, we'll cover these as we go. But number three, we should give as a means to help carry out Christ's great commission. Because that's part of what we do. As part of the body of Christ, what is our role? And no matter who you are, this is part of it is that we're going to do what God said in this area to carry out the Great Commission. Number four, we should give because we want to see people blessed. We want people's lives to be blessed as ours have been. And so that's a motive. And then number five, way down on the list is we should give in expectancy, believing God to honor the promises in His Word and to bless and prosper us. That is a reason for giving. It's just not the number one reason for giving, not even the number two reason for giving. It is a, uh, it is a reason, but it's not the primary reason. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Praise God. You guys okay? Yeah. Let's look at Malachi 3.8. Malachi Got it? It said, Will a man rob God? Yet you have robbed me, but you say, In what way have we robbed you? In tithes and offerings. You are cursed with a curse, for you have robbed me, even this whole nation. Verse 10, Bring all the tithes into the storehouse, that there may be food in my house, and try me now in this, says the Lord of hosts, if I will not open for you the windows of heaven and pour out for you such a blessing that there will not be room enough to receive it. 
And I will rebuke the devourer for your sake, so that he will not destroy the fruit of your ground, nor shall the vine fail to bear fruit for you in the field, says the Lord of hosts. And all nations will call you blessed, for you will be a delightful land, says the Lord of hosts. So we'll touch base on this more. And I just wanted to read this, but let's go back to, real briefly, Malachi 3.8. It says, Will a man rob God, yet you have robbed me? Is it possible to rob God? Well, evidently, it says it. How, and in verse, uh, the next part of that, but, what you, but you say, in what way have we robbed you? In tithes and offerings, he says, you are cursed with a curse. You have robbed me, even this whole nation. Now, interjecting this, in the new covenant, you are not cursed if you don't tithe and give offerings. Okay? It's just like what we were just saying. You don't have to treat your spouse well either. You don't have to pray either. You don't have to say the right things. And you don't have to tithe. And you don't have to give. God still loves you. God still loves me. But the rest of this verse, it doesn't apply either. What we're about to read, that, the, the, when we don't do these things, the rest of it doesn't happen. And let me just interject this. Here's the thing. People get this confused in the body of Christ as Christians. What you need to realize as a Christian, you, you, you are a target in the spiritual realm. Okay? Uh, as a Christian, Satan is in a war. Many Christians don't realize that's going on. And they're acting like they're just one of the people that, that's part of Satan's kingdom, walking around, whether they're just going to operate under his laws. No, you are a child of God. That means, see, Satan has dominion over a lot of the world system, anybody that doesn't serve him, and he has dominion over this earth. The Bible called him the God of this world. God is, is Lord over all, but Adam was given dominion over the earth, and so Satan tempted Adam and Eve, and they yielded. And so the Bible calls Satan the God of this world. We've taught on that in more detail. What you need to know is that uh, God is not running everything. There is an enemy. People say, why do bad things happen on earth? Because there's a devil. Some Christians act like there's no devil, and it's just all God. No, God's not killing anybody. He's not stealing. He's not making businesses go under. But if, if, we, if people don't yield to God, they're under the, dev, under the devil's influence, and that's exactly the type of stuff he does. And so people, I mean, there's psalmists that said the same thing. You know, they're looking at people that are wicked and prospering and going, why are they prospering? Why do they have everything? And then it says, but then I understood their end. I understood what was really going on. And that's the way people look in the natural realm and look around and say, oh, well, you know, so-and-so, they're not a Christian and they have stuff. Yeah, look at the rest of their life. And if they don't know God and don't know uh, the Lord Jesus, whatever it looks like they have is going to be short-lived. But it, as we as Christians, we serve the Almighty and we're walking through doing what He would have us to do if we just act like there's not a spiritual war going on and be like, well, it doesn't matter what I do, you know, in this area. Uh, we, we have to understand there is spiritual opposition. And so you don't have to do things that the Bible said, but there, you don't have to have the blessings of it either. And you're not in the same condition that somebody else is. They're out serving the devil. They're under the devil's control anyway. They will be tossed to the side in no time flat. We want to be in a position where we know we're serving God, doing everything we know to do, and when there is something coming against us, we have every right to say, no, I am serving God Almighty, not, oh God, help me. Just out of the blue, like, oh, I, you know, I know, but help me. We want to be like, no, Satan, you will not operate in our life. We are following the Lord doing our part. We want to be in a strong position, not in a waffly position. 
So verse 9 said, you know, so it said, you've robbed me. Let's just read verse 8 and go through. We're not going to get into this deep today. We're just flying over this part. Will a man rob God, yet you have robbed me? But you say, in what way have we robbed you? In tithes and offerings. You are cursed with a curse. You have robbed me. Even this whole nation. Now it says tithes and offerings. We'll talk about this more. But tithes, a tithe is not a religious term. It means 10%. That's literally what it means. If it, you just put 10%, other translations do. It says 10%. What it literally means is 10% of your income. That's, that's a tithe. An offering is anything above the tithe. So some people say, I'm giving tithes. You know, in just religious, I'm talking about over time. You hear somebody saying, are you tithing? And they're, they're, what they mean is giving. Just like they, they equate giving something with tithing. They're not the same thing. In other words, just giving, uh, just giving an amount that tithing is not a substitute. It's not a, you know, in the English language, it is not a... Uh, another word for giving, it literally means giving 10%. Some people say, well, I just tithe 25 cents. Well, unless that, unless your income is $2.50, it's not a tithe. Does that make sense? So that's what he's talking about. Verse 10 says, bring all the tithes into the storehouse, that there may be food in my house. And try me now in this, says the Lord of hosts, if I will not open for you the windows of heaven and pour out for you such a blessing that there will not be room enough to receive it. And I will rebuke the devourer for your sakes, so that there will, th he will not destroy the fruit of your ground, nor the vine fail to bear fruit for you in the field, says the Lord of hosts. And all nations will call you blessed, for you will be a delightful land, says the Lord of hosts. Now go back to verse 10. When you read these things, Look at the outcome of doing what God said. And we're going to read other scriptures and talk about this in more detail. But look at the outcome. And ask yourself, who in their right mind would not want this outcome? Bring all the tithes into the storehouse. A tithe is 10%. And we'll get into this later, but it says the storehouse. Uh, think about it. See, people have all kinds. I'll, I'll, have, I'll talk about this more, but just touching it in context. When you talk about the tithe bringing the storehouse, uh, they didn't mail checks in or do it on the internet or even go somewhere else that was a ways away. They went to the place that was local for the storehouse. If you go back 200 years, it was the church they went to. And if some people came in as a visitor, that was, they, they would bless them. But they say tithe into the storehouse, there wasn't this idea of, global or even national or somebody that was 50 miles away because to go 50 miles it took you a while and some people say well that just doesn't matter where the tithe goes we'll talk about that later but it's pretty clear it's the local place now there's offerings above that 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 that's that sky's the limit some people are giving 90 percent of their income live on 10 percent well the Anything above the tithe is an offering. But notice he said, verse 10, Bring all the tithes into the storehouse, that there may be food in my house, and try me now in this. He is saying, I dare you. He said, bring all the tithes in the storehouse, that there may be food in my house. That means the stuff that, that we have in the house is taken care of. And he said, try me now in this. God Almighty said, try me. Now, now what did he say would happen? Try me now in this, says the Lord of hosts, if I will not open for you the windows of heaven and pour out for you such a blessing that there will not be room enough to receive it. Does that sound good to anybody? That God Almighty, He said, try me. If I will not pour out for you such a blessing, you don't have enough room for it. Is there anybody that, that would not want that result? I don't think so. I mean, it sounds pretty good. And then in verse 11, he said, I will rebuke the devourer for your sakes, so that he will not destroy the fruit of your ground, nor shall the vine fail to bear fruit for you in the field, says the Lord of hosts. In other words, the stuff that you are tending to, you could say, you know, um, you don't, your clients stay intact. You're saying your equipment keeps running. 
Say you have wisdom to, to manage things efficiently. Things don't, oh, well, this broke down and that's a repair bill. And oh, you know, so then we have this extra expense because we were late on that. It's, these things don't happen. At, we put something into motion. Verse 12, and all the nations will call you blessed. For the, you will delight, you will be in a delightful land, says the Lord of hosts. Does that sound good? He's talking to the nation of Israel, but this applies to us. We are children of Abraham, spiritually, Galatians 3.29. So he, but he said, if you obey what I did, I'm telling you to do, then this happens. And we want to be in that category. You want to be able to stand up and say, I am doing what God said to do. I love God. I'm obedient. I'm fulfilling the Great Commission. I want to see people blessed. And then I expect my needs to be met. You want to be in that strong position. You say that next last part of the verse applies to me. See, that's a lot different than God. I, I know I haven't and I just oh, blah, blah, and please help. See, that God wants to help. But we want to be in that strong position, and we want to do what God said to do. We want to be our part in the Great Commission and in, in doing what He said. We want it to be filled. In other words, I don't want somebody else doing my job in every area, and this is one of them. This isn't the one that we say, oh, well, that doesn't matter. No, it does matter. It does matter. Amen? We'll get into this, you know, as we're... Um, as we're, we're covering some of these things, we'll get into things in more detail, but, but God is a faithful God, amen? amen? He is a good God, and we serve Him, and we say everything, if we mean it with our heart, everything I have, Lord, is yours. Well, this is an area we can say, Aunt, I, obey, I obey you here too, and it's a strong position, amen?